0: Amen. <laughs> what a beautiful morning. And we are in the house of the Lord, ready to celebrate and rejoice in the God of our salvation. Amen. Uh, just a few uh, announcements or some such thing before we get started. I want to thank everybody that was involved uh, in our missionary service this Wednesday. It was, in every measure, a rousing success. Uh, I I can't have imagined anything there going better. Everybody that was involved was vital. Uh, this wasn't a one-person show by any means. There were all kinds of hands involved, and we needed every single one of them. Uh, those that were coordinating, those that uh, got the rooms ready for the missionaries, got the basket prepared, got the food uh, served the food, cleaned up afterward, took the garbage out. All of that was so important. Uh, and thank you, thank you, thank you. All of, all of you that were involved with that. Uh, the, the missionaries were absolutely blown away, uh, by the ministry of this body. And, uh, I have you to thank for that. Thank you. That is it, it's it's because of uh, events like that that I am absolutely assured that God is going to do something wondrous through this body. Your propensity to just uh, throw yourselves in and get stuff done it is that is exactly what God needs. Uh, we make ourselves available and God works through that. And so I'm just, I'm blown away. Thank you so much. Uh, Service time changes. Again, uh, next Sunday, we'll start having our discipleship class extended to 1030. And we'll take a 15-minute break, and we'll start the next service at 1045. And again, the reason for that is our Sunday school, Uh, trying to get them a little bit more time to get something in their belly uh, get a little bit more energy out, and have time with all of that going on to get a, a Bible lesson in. Amen. Uh, our, our leadership meeting in June will not happen. Uh, there's a lot going on uh, this month, next month, yet, yeah. <coughs> among other things. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Uh, but that will continue from July onward amen uh the last thing i want to mention is uh i want to apologize for my closing comments on after Wednesday service after after it got done i, I the lord convicted me everything i said was true we do need to be busy. We do need to be about our Father's business, and we do have a great responsibility. But I feel like the Lord would rather have had me emphasize the privilege and the honor that He has given us as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't ever want to come across... Uh, with a spirit of harshness or with a, a spirit of uh, trying to guilt someone into doing something for God, those methods may be effective short-term, but we're not in this for the short-term. We're in this for the long-term, and those methods are entirely ineffective long-term. And so uh, I, I do want to apologize for that. the the fact of the matter is that the responsibilities that God get, has given us is he's honoring us in doing so. What a high privilege. What a great honor he has given us to represent him to this world. What a privilege it is that he has entrusted us with the very word of God. And he He has entrusted us with not only understanding his contents, but teaching that to someone else using that to further the kingdom of god it's it's staggering the the amount of uh, the amount of honor and and privilege that he has given his people to do those, to do those things and so, uh, amen. <clears throat> if we could stand now, and we are going to enter into his presence, let's call out on his name. This is his service, and we are here for his purposes. We are his people. And he has awesome things in store for each and every one of us here today. Amen. Uh, we wouldn't be here if we didn't believe that, I think. It is possible to be here because of habit, because of duty, and that's well and fine. I'd rather you be here for any reason than not here. <laughs> However, the best reason to be here is because we expect great things of a great God. And we are here because we want to further his kingdom, not only, not only in the city of La Crosse, but in our families, at our workplaces, in us. We want to further the kingdom of God. Amen. So let's call out to him. He has a plan for the service. He has a plan for each of us being here that that would come to fruition today. Lord Jesus, you're an awesome God. You're a mighty king. We heap unto you all glory and all honor all worship, and all praise. I am so excited, Thou Most High, to receive all that You have for us today. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither enter into the hearts of man the things that You have prepared for us. Hallelujah, Jesus. The things that we can imagine are so very low for what You're wanting to do. I pray, O oh God, that You would be released into this assembly this morning. That all of your heart would be manifest. That all of your mind would be accomplished in our midst here today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I release faith into this assembly this morning to believe you for all things, to trust and to hope in you for all things. As your word goes forth, let it not go forth void, but let it accomplish that which you please. Prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the word of truth, to do, not just to hear, Hallelujah, Jesus. And above all else, that your great and mighty name would be glorified in our midst today. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen. Praise God. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you. You can be seated. Amen. We are continuing with the new covenant. Today, we are going to be speaking about prayer. A light topic, one we'll get through quickly. Just kidding. Uh, it's not a light topic. <laughs> and prayer could very easily be turned into a multi-service seminar. Uh, very easily. But we're going to give it a light touch today because we need to move on to other things. But I don't want to... I don't want that to underemphasize to us today the importance the absolute vitality of prayer nothing can happen without prayer prayer is the lifeblood of the church it is the spiritual lifeblood if we don't if we are not a praying church if we are not a praying people nothing will happen uh not the way it needs to happen. I mean, you know, people have these wonderful personalities and they can gather big crowds and they can they can influence people, but that's not building a church. That's not furthering the kingdom of God. If we do that, that's building our kingdom. And there are churches that are built around people. They're not built around God. This church needs to be a church that's built upon the solid rock of Jesus Christ. One guy told me and it it kinda it kinda floored me a little bit that he would say this. I mean it was Ray Nichols, the, the missionary we had here a while ago from Belarus, uh the Faith the Faith Promise Service. He told me this that pastors come and go but, but congregations remain. I was like, that just doesn't sound right. But, you know, looking at, (laughs) looking at my history in churches, that's kind of true. Uh, and my point for bringing that up is, it can't be built upon the pastor. It can't be built upon any man or woman. It's got to be built on something more solid. It's got to be built on something more sturdy, more powerful. The ought to that comes with with living for God is just not present in any other thing. The reasons that we do what we do is because of what God did for us. And when we pray, we are... We are connecting with the power of God. We are connecting with the presence of God. And when we are, are praying people, when we are a praying church, that allows God to move through us in a way that He can't do any other way. When we call out to God in prayer, all of the resources of heaven come and are at our disposal. When we try to do it ourselves... When we try to enlist help, when we try to think our way through a problem, I'm not saying don't think, uh, we do need to think, okay? God gave us brains. It's okay to use them. But, when we're advancing the kingdom of God, a lot of times our thinking gets in the way. When we, what we ought to do rather is call out to God and seek direction from Him. Moses was a smart man. He could have led the people of Israel probably well enough, all on his own. He was trained to do that. But he didn't. He never did that. He always submitted to the will of God. He always received direction from Him. He waited on the Lord to speak. And then he acted. And as a church, that's what we need to do. But to do that, we need to hear the voice of God. And to hear the voice of God, we need to be a praying people listening for that voice. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15 says this. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Amen. So like giving, we talked about last week, prayer becomes a matter between you and God, not between each other. It's good that people know that you're a praying person, but it's not necessary for you to be effectual in prayer. It's good that people understand that you're a spiritual person, that you live for God, that you're trying to, uh, at least in this congregation, uh That you're trying to move forward in God. I think we ought to know that about all of us. But, the important thing is that we are. The important thing is not that people know that. God's not going to ask how many people know that you prayed when you get to heaven. Just, did you pray? Were you a praying person? Pharisees engaged in prayer to demonstrate their righteousness to others. Again, the motive is wrong, and the motive is extremely important. Prayer is quite a bit more than a hypocritical demonstration of Old Testament righteousness, and Jesus condemns their attitude. Again, an example of the Pharisees focusing on the event itself. And not the idea behind the event. Why ought you to pray? They just prayed because we're supposed to pray. So we speak the words and we let people know that we're doing that and we can check that off. We're good. There's a reason though that we need to pray and it's not to check it off the list. Yes, we are commanded to pray. Absolutely. And we ought to do that. But there's a reason why God commands us to pray. We need to always examine our motives in everything that we do for God. We're going to see that theme run throughout this whole thing. Our motives are extremely important. Why are we doing the things that we do? We are to proceed in everything that we do for God with humility and complete dependence on Him. We need to understand, as a church, as families, and as individuals, that without God we are nothing. That unless we're tapped into the the living vine, we will wither and die. We cannot survive outside of God. We have no hope outside of God. We are completely and utterly dependent upon Him for all things. And to an outsider coming in, that may seem pretty harsh. That may seem like a lot to choke down. But as you live for God, and as you begin to understand why that is, we understand not only the truth of it, But the power of it. There's power in that truth. There's deliverance in that truth. When I, when I, when I come to the realization that I don't have to do this on my own, I don't have to be smart enough or good enough to live for God. I can live for God just like I am. God will move me forward and he'll perfect me. Thank God for that. He won't leave us where we're at. I don't want to stay here. I want to keep moving forward. But I can live for God right now. And I can do it powerfully. And I can do it effectually. Not because of me, but because of him. Matthew 6, 7 says, But when you pray, Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. It doesn't matter how we speak our prayers, just that we do. Now, when I first came to the Lord, you know, I was born and raised a Lutheran, and I prayed in my mind. I my hands, bow my head, and think the prayer. Because God can hear the prayers, He can hear my thoughts. He doesn't need to hear it come out. That was very nice for me because I didn't want anyone to hear me anyway. So that worked fine. That worked good for me. But when I came into this weird place, they told me to speak everything out. I was like, why? You can hear my thoughts. <laughs> I got them. But they told me that there's power in the spoken word. When you speak something, there's power in that. And so, I'm I'm going to teach the same thing, because it's in the Bible. There's power in the spoken word. So when we pray, we ought to pray out loud. When someone's trying to receive the Holy Ghost, we always tell them, speak out loud. Speak out loud. You're never going to get the Holy Ghost thinking a prayer. Why is that? Yeah, yeah. One guy told me one time, God can't steer a parked car. You gotta be moving forward and God can direct you at that point. But, God can't take control of your tongue if you're not doing something with it. He'll direct it. But you gotta be moving it. So, when we pray, we gotta pray out loud because there's power in that. When we speak something, we're speaking into the spiritual realm. We're speaking with power and we're speaking with authority. We'll talk about that in later lessons, but for right now, when we pray, we need to pray with authority, because God has given us that power. He's given us that authority to pray, to speak in his behalf. That's what an ambassador is. We represent him in this economy. We represent him to uh, those in our spheres of influence. And so, uh, when we pray, we need to pray out loud. God is not impressed with your vocabulary. Okay. I think we said that before. We don't have to pray in King James English. Uh we although if you want to, I love King James English. I think it sounds awesome. Uh, but there's no more or less power in that than there is in in any other Spanish or or Japanese or <laughs> yeah. yeah, they don't. <clears throat> I have a a Martin Luther Bible translated in German. That's not King James. Anyway, uh, God's not even impressed with our praying per se. But what God is impressed with is our attitude in coming to the Lord and the condition of our heart when we do. When we come to the Lord, we're not coming arrogantly. Now we can come boldly, but there's a difference. We're not coming arrogantly. Hey, Dad, you owe me. You gave me a promise. Let's pay up. That's not the right attitude. Yeah, he did promise that. He did. But you're talking to the Lord of glory. You're talking to the Almighty God show him some respect again in ancient times if my dad was the king yeah he's dad but when he's sitting in court i'm not going to pro i'm not going to just barge in and say hey can i have the keys to the car dad i'm going to come on my belly like everyone else does and i'm going to be admitted entrance into his presence like everyone else is cuz he's the king yeah, he's my dad. And when he's out of court and we're in the back just talking, I can treat him like that. I can treat him like he's my, my father. But when he's in court and he's on the throne, mm-mm, nope, that's not going to fly. And as much as possible, when we approach the throne of God in prayer... I have endeavored in my, in, in my life to have properly prepared myself to enter into his presence. Yes, he's my heavenly father. Yes, he loves me. I understand all of that, but I don't want to get to the place where he's, he's that familiar. Did, do you know what I'm, I'm trying to say here? I don't want to treat him like the man upstairs or JC or the big guy. I hate those terms. I don't like him. He's my Lord and Savior. And as much as possible, I want to acknowledge that when I come before him. Do I have to all the time? Probably not. But again, I'd rather err on that side. He's my king. And when I approach my king, I want to have an attitude of reverence and respect and humility. I can come boldly before his throne because I do have those exceeding good and precious promises. And my boldness comes from the fact that he's going to take care of those things. He promised that he would. So my boldness comes in the fact that I trust him. He's a man of his word. He said it. He's going to do it. That's where my boldness lies. Not in the form of arrogance, but in the form of faith, in the form of trust. If I can impress God at all, it will be with my attitude and with the condition of my heart during my prayer. The Lord's Prayer was given to us as a format, an example for proper praying. It is not a prayer per se. Something else I learned later. Matthew 6, verse 9 says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We should always enter into prayer with worship. We address God as our Father, and only those who have true inner righteousness can address God in this fashion. Only someone who has been born again, only someone who has repented, been baptized in Jesus' name, received the gift of the Holy Ghost, who has entered into a covenant relationship with God, can call Him Father. That's the only person that can. I thank God every day that He is my Father. That He has called me to that kind of a relationship with Him. That He has adopted me as His Son. He's given me His name. What an awesome thing. We cannot get to the place where we profane the name of the Lord. And I don't mean using His name in vain. I don't mean cursing. I just mean, by profane, treating it as common. The name of God is not a common name. It is not something that we just throw around. When we use the name of the Lord, it's used properly. Amen. Matthew 6.10 says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. As children of God, our allegiance is always to the kingdom of God. This is our home and nation. Not the United States, not anywhere else. We live here, but we're pilgrims. This will never be our home. I thank God for that too. What a wretched place that would be. If this is all we had to look forward to, this is not our home. We're just a passing through. We are pilgrims, wayfarers, sojourners, making our way through on our way home. Amen. We declare and we are assured that God will fulfill all His covenant promises to His people. We understand that. Truth. The covenant promises that He's given us will be fulfilled. When we put our trust in Him, when we claim those promises, they will come to pass. Can God do that? Of course He can. He's God. That's the definition of God. Will God do that? Yes. God said that He would. He didn't tell us that he can. He didn't leave it there. And thank God for that, because that doesn't really do a whole lot for us. God can is great. I can worship him because of that. And I hope you understand where I'm coming from here. But God can doesn't fulfill anything for me. I worship God because He can, but I hope in God, I trust in God because He will. Amen. Our attitude in prayer must always be that His will is accomplished, not ours. This is important. When we come to the Lord in prayer, we understand that it is His will, not ours. We have been bought with a price. He is sitting on the throne Not us. He's in charge. He makes the rules. We do not. And again, that's a hard saying for some people. But again, I find power and strength in that truth. Again, it's not up to me. All I have to do is follow orders. I can do that. That's something I can do. Tell me to do something. Tell me how to do it. Tell me when to do it. You bet absolutely that i can do but if i have to figure this out all on my own that's that's not going to that's not going to work out too well he's the sovereign and we are the subjects and i find comfort and peace in that Matthew 6.11 says, Give us this day our daily bread. Daily means sufficient for the day. In the Old Testament, manna, the manna that fell down from heaven was given one time a day. And they could gather no more and no less than what was sufficient. We petition our Heavenly Father for all of our needs, because He knows that we have need of them. We're not asking for something that He's not aware of, we're not asking for something that is is superfluous or frivolous. We kind of need air to breathe. We kind of need food to eat. We need shelter to protect us from the elements. We need clothing. because God said, clothe yourself. So, He is willing and able to provide these things for us. All of our physical needs, food, clothing, shelter, financial needs, healing, All of these things can and will be provided by God if we trust in Him. All of our spiritual needs, strength, forgiveness, ability to forgive, meaning of Scripture, direction, all of these things are provided for by our Heavenly Father. Matthew 6.12 says, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He seems to work this in all over the place. Maybe we ought to pay attention. Everything preceding this verse assumes that we have no unforgiveness in our hearts. Are we able to pray this prayer? Do we really want God to forgive us just like we have forgiven all others? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I hope we can pray that prayer. In the same vein, he continues in verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The spiritual principle is this. We have no right to harbor unforgiveness against someone else. We have no right. We may feel like it. We may feel justified in harboring unforgiveness. And I've been there. And so have you. We have been wronged. We've been hurt by people close to us. People that we trusted. We've been betrayed. We've been backstabbed. It hurts. And we want justice. Right? We all do. But see, when we come to the Lord, we sign away those rights. We don't have any rights. We've been bought with a price. We are not our own. And we have no rights at all to claim under this covenant. If you know anything about the, the Constitutional Committee and, and when the Founding Fathers framed the Constitution, they couldn't get it run through without the Bill of Rights attached to it. The Bill of Rights is supposedly uh, it actually ended up hurting the cause long term. That's, that's another story. In any case, they wanted this bill attached so that they could give specific limits to government. It would protect the people against a tyrannical government. Okay? Like the Second Amendment. Yes, sir. Amen to that. But, uh, The reason for that is because governments can become tyrannical. We've seen that in history once or twice. Now probably again. But, so this was supposed to ensure that the people had rights against that. Under the new covenant, those rights are not necessary. God is not tyrannical, and he will never be tyrannical. We don't need rights in the New Covenant. We need a relationship with God. We need to put our hope and trust in God. That's all we need. If God has forgiven them, then we've got to forgive them also. (laughs) Let me say it another way. If a perfect and a holy and a righteous God who has every right to judge people, he has every right to judge you and me. He has every right to judge that person that betrayed me. If he forgave them, I have no choice but to forgive them. I don't have a choice. I've got to forgive them. There's all kinds of other reasons that I need to forgive them. I don't want a root of bitterness springing up in my heart. I don't want to go to hell because of someone else's mistake. I want to be free from that. I want God to deliver me from that. And so I've got to forgive. If God has not forgiven them, in other words, if they haven't asked God to forgive them, we must still forgive them, and we should pray that God forgives them too. Remember the example Moses gave us. Of intercessory prayer. Remember the example Jesus gave on the cross. He forgave the people that nailed him to the tree. He forgave the people that, that connived and lied to get him there. And he could have called down 10,000 legions of angels to wipe them all out. And he would have been perfectly just in doing so. But he didn't. And he won't. If we do not, if we do not forgive, then we have this promise from God. He will not forgive you. That's a promise. That's one I never want to cash in on. I don't want that promise. Matthew 6:13 Actually one more thing on this. Forgiveness is when we think about it, when we think about the act of forgiving someone that wronged us. It's a hard thing to think about. But if you could see the other side of it from your present perspective, if you could see what's waiting for you on the other side of forgiveness we'd get there just as soon as we could all of that anger and that that hurt and that bitterness that that sits in here it's an ugly thing and it's it's like a it's like a burning itch that you can't scratch it's I can't explain it. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. It's just, it's ugly and it's it's hurtful. But God wants to, to release us from that. God wants us to move on from that and deliver us from that. And forgiveness does that. Forgiveness frees us from all of that. We become free from the effects of that. And we can release that to God and get victory over it. Matthew 6.13 says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We acknowledge in prayer that it is God who must lead us through the many pitfalls in life. Again, we're led by God's supreme wisdom and knowledge. We don't have to rely on our own fallible, incomplete, even incompetent knowledge and ability. We declare that we trust him completely to do so. That's what we do in prayer. We're calling out to him and we're telling him, I'm trusting in you. My faith, my hope, my confidence is in you, not in me. Most certainly not in me. I've tried that before. It always ends in failure. When I trust in God and and rely on his leading and guiding, it always ends in success. I don't think there's any other smart choice than that. We declare our complete impotence against evil and temptation. It is God's power and God's authority that we use to defeat our enemies, not our own. Again, we're relying on the power and the authority of God. We're relying on God and his ability to achieve victory for us. When they went over into the promised land, Joshua and the the children of Israel, they relied solely upon God. God is the one that gave them victory. Yes, they had to fight. They had to go out to battle. But God is the one that gave them the victory. God fought for them. In the Battle of Ai, God did not fight for them. And they were beaten back. So, again, every time God removed his hand, they had failure. Every time God fought for them, they had victory. What's the smart choice here? Trust the Lord. That's the smart choice. We end as we have begun, with an attitude of worship, reverence, and humility. We acknowledge God's complete ownership of all things. We acknowledge and declare that God alone has all power, all glory, and all authority, and they will be His for all eternity. Amen. They have always been our and always will be His. We have no authority. We have no power except it given to us by God. And He can take it back anytime He wants. If we abuse it, if we handle it wrong, He can remove it from us. If we're faithful and we use it wisely... And circumspectly and obediently, he will give us more. He will trust us with more. In conclusion, the primary focus for effective praying must then be the condition of our hearts. Have we properly prepared our hearts to enter into the presence of a holy and a righteous God? Is our attitude one of humility and reverence in the presence of Almighty God? Do we recognize our complete dependence on Him for all things? Are we persuaded of God's total ability to answer and of His complete willingness to answer? If our hearts are right, if our attitude is right, we can expect wondrous, miraculous things from God in prayer. Amen. We have that hope, that confidence, that when we take something to God in prayer, You'll be there to meet us, minister to our needs, answer our prayers, and see wondrous and glorious things done through us. Amen. Let's all stand.